Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What Are You Talking About, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. My name is Bob. As always, I'm hanging out, talking sports with my older brother, Chris, my co-host. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, but high school football kicks off this Friday, which means college football's right around the corner, NFL's right around the corner, it's that time of the year, it's time to get super pumped. Oh, I, I am absolutely super pumped. You and I just had uh, our first fantasy football draft, and I have about five more to go before kickoff, so... <laughs> I'm I'm getting ready. I'm super excited to talk about uh, college football during this episode. This is our big college football preview. If we get wordy, if we get out of hand, my apologies. But uh, there's just a lot of talk, lot to talk about, and a lot of yeah, just a lot of storylines and a lot, a lot of teams to cover in and in a not a lot of time. Um, so, Chris, I think we let's start with the ACC. Um, in my opinion. Uh, there are four teams to talk about in the ACC, and that's Florida State, Clemson, Georgia Tech, and then throw in Notre Dame because they play a partial ACC schedule. Uh, who do you want to talk about first, or is there another team that, that looks good to you? No, those are the main ones, even though Notre Dame isn't officially in the ACC. They play enough teams in the ACC, as you said, to kind of lump them in with the conference. They're kind of half in, half out in football, and then a full member in other sports. But I'm going to narrow it down even more. I kind of think it's between Clemson and Florida State. No, all due respect to Georgia Tech, but they do play in the junior varsity division. The other side of the conference is certainly where it's at. Um, If you want to lump in Louisville and NC State as sort of outside contenders, I would rank them as the fourth and fifth best teams preseason in the conference, even ahead of Virginia Tech, who has been kind of disappointing for the last few years. But the last couple of seasons, the Clemson-Florida State game has ultimately decided that division and then ultimately decided the conference, and it has gone to Florida State both times last year with a backup quarterback. So certainly Clemson has a lot to prove when it comes to getting over Florida State. That's been the team that's been in their way. And with Florida State having to replace six starters on offense, They still return seven on defense. This has to be Clemson's year. They return one of the most electric players in college football, Deshaun Watson. So preseason ACC player of the year pick. They're pretty loaded. I I would think that this is Clemson's time to shine. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that way too. Uh, Deshaun Watson, definitely the X factor. Health is the big issue for him. He's, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of, big time players, big time Heisman candidates. He is the the most athletic, explosive quarterback that we're going to talk about in terms of his combination of throwing and speed, but he's already broken his hand once and he's torn his ACL once and he hasn't played a whole lot. So, uh when you are a quarterback and you hang your hat on being a speed runner option as, as part of your game and health is an issue, that's always concerning. But if he stays healthy, I think they'll be okay. They do have a shaky offensive line that got even shakier when their best offensive lineman, uh, Battle Isaiah Battle, uh, went into the supplemental draft. And they're losing Chad Morris, their offensive coordinator. He's at SMU now. And Morris uh, got as much credit as Dabo Swinney for creating that up-tempo option offense that they had that uh, looked so good with Taj Boyd and Sammy Watkins for those few years. So... 
Uh, they do have questions, but I think it, it's falling into place for them because Florida State has a huge question mark at quarterback. Everett Golson might not even be the starter. Sean McGuire might might beat him out, so who knows about that? They're missing Dalvin Cook. They're starting running back from last year. Uh, he's got uh, off-the-field issues. He had a 1,000 yards, over a 1,000 yards last year as a freshman, so... FSU has some big questions, and all of their big games are on the road. They're at Georgia Tech, they're at Clemson, they're at University of Florida, whereas Clemson, who has probably the best home field advantage in the ACC, they get to host FSU, Georgia Tech, and they get to host Notre Dame as well. So it's playing right into their schedule, and it's going to work out nicely for them. So I I agree with you. I think this is Clemson's year. If it's not their year, then uh, it's going to be a really big disappointment. I think it would be a huge disappointment if Clemson doesn't at least win their division. I, certainly, I mean, look, the last two years they were facing a juggernaut in Florida State who had won, what, 27 straight games before getting blown out in the semifinals. Right. So you can sort of understand being a one-loss team those years. But if they don't do it this year when Florida State has lost all that talent and they're still returning a lot, you hate to see a coach get canned because of that. Because I, I, I'm not a fan of firing a guy who goes 11 and one or 10 and two, but you gotta wonder if you know that would happen if Clemson underachieves again because they have been notorious for underachieving based on expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, if they don't win the division this year, that seat's gonna be a hot seat, and uh, next year will be a make or break year. But I I would be hesitant to say if he had such a successful year but loses to FSU again that he's just going to get canned. I mean, he's built this program back up. So uh, hopefully there's patience, but uh, often, more often than not, we see a, a less patient uh, AD or owner when it comes to success in coaches. I do, I do want to say don't, don't uh, count out Georgia Tech. They're returning a lot of guys on defense. Uh, they, they're returning Justin Thomas, who – is another big X factor. He had a thousand yards passing and a thousand yards rushing last year as their quarterback. Uh, I agree with you because I'm not a believer in the triple option as a win 13 games season. I I, th- I just think it's too predictable, but they are returning a lot of talent and they got, they had a really good run at the end of the year last year and a really big bowl win. So don't count them out as a dark horse to win the ACC. I have Clemson beating Georgia Tech in the ACC title game. See, the thing about Georgia Tech is in their regular season schedule, they do have to play Clemson and Florida State. So if they lose to both of those teams in the regular season, you might see a scenario where they don't even make it to the ACC championship game because they will be straddled with two losses and another contender might not have to play as tough of a cross-division schedule. So there's always that factor. But you look at their schedule, they got Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia. That's a pretty respectable non-conference schedule to have two marquee games like that, counting Notre Dame as a non-conference game. So Georgia Tech certainly had a very strong season last year. They destroyed Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl. And let's not forget, they almost beat Florida State in the ACC Championship. They played them very tough. Georgia Tech certainly has a lot coming back. I like Justin Thomas, just like you do. Deadly in that triple option. And just like you, I'm not a fan of the triple option because I do think it is kind of predictable. 
But if you have the guys to run it, if you have a triple threat to run that offense, it certainly can be deadly. I know Ohio State has struggled with it a couple times that they've played Navy, and that's really the only time I've seen it because you know it's not something you see every day. I think Navy, Georgia Tech, and maybe Army are the only ones that really run yeah. it. So certainly it's it's an odd offense to prepare for, And but Georgia Tech had a lot of success with it last year. They're returning all their guys. No reason to think that they can't do it again. Yeah, definitely. I I mean, I think that the triple option is a surefire way to have a successful offense, but there are just games that happen where it looks awful and it makes you wonder why anybody would run it. And then next week, if a team's not ready for it, it they look amazing. So, yeah, I agree with you. Let's talk about Notre Dame for a little bit. They're returning a lot of starters. I think uh, I saw something close to 16 starters are coming back for Notre Dame. They lost Everett Golson, their quarterback. He's at FSU now. Malik Zaire took over for him to win the bowl game against LSU last year. They went 8-5 in 2014. Uh, They have that ACC schedule that we talked about, so games against Georgia Tech at Clemson. They also host Texas, play USC, and they have to go to Stanford. I'm never high on Notre Dame, and I, I said that in a blog post, but what what's the realistic uh, expectation for them? Well, I know you're never high on Notre Dame, but I think even people who aren't high on Notre Dame, who don't like Notre Dame, can at least respect them for going out and scheduling some blue-chip games. I mean, there's five quality games on their schedule. Most teams struggle to just get three. So I do respect the Fighting Irish for at least going out and scheduling quality competition year in and year out and challenging themselves. I honestly think if they go 10-2, and two, they could be in contention for a playoff hunt if the playoff committee puts an emphasis on strength of schedule. Last year was a bit of a standard year. There wasn't a lot of controversy. It was pretty cut and dry. You didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, sort of cross-polymerization of teams, you know, head-to-head here, weighing a head-to-head win over a conference championship. You might get that this year. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of precedents the committee will continue to send. But if I'm Notre Dame, if I'm looking at Notre Dame and they're 10-2 and and their only losses are to two of those five teams, I'm going to heavily consider them over another team that maybe only went 11-1 and on a very weak schedule. That said, I don't think that they're going to go 10-2. and I Like you, I kind of think that they generally underachieve, and Texas right off the bat is not an easy game, even though Texas is a little bit down historically. But Georgia Tech, Clemson, USC, Stanford, you got to think they're going to lose two or three games. I would say if they get to 9-3, and three, that's a success for them. Yeah, I would say 9-3 and three is a success. Uh, I don't know if that's enough to secure Brian Kelly's job, though. I mean, just just from where he's gone from that championship game to now, the and playing at Notre Dame, the, the seat gets hot really quick. So uh, it'll be an interesting year for them, I think. Hey, what was the guy, Gene Chizik at uh, Auburn? He wins the national title, and like two years later, he's fired? Right, yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah, these things, uh, they, they're very short memories in sports, and especially college football. Yeah. All right, so I said Clemson over Georgia Tech. Who do you have? We're the same. I got Clemson over Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech is too good. I think they'll take care of business in division. And like I said, that division's a JV division. I think that they're going to lose some more games, even if Georgia Tech stumbles against Clemson and Florida State in the regular season. But don't be surprised if Georgia Tech win- Tech wins one of those two games. I think that they are good enough to split with what those two teams and really secure their spot in the ACC title game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. All right, moving conferences. Let's go to the Big 12. Uh, 
the one team that did not send or the one conference that did not send a team to the college football playoff in 2014 coincidentally uh or maybe not coincidentally the only conference not to have a championship game uh and then the two the two teams that uh were the outsiders looking in on the college football playoff TCU and Baylor they're back they're preseason ranked number two and number four respectively in the coaches poll uh those are my two teams in the Big 12 to look out for. I don't I don't really have anybody else. Uh, what are your thoughts on this conference? Yeah, those two teams are returning a lot. The Horn Frogs return 17 starters. Baylor returns 18 starters. It's pretty much the same two teams minus Bryce Petty. I think that's the biggest question mark with Baylor. Can the Bears continue to churn out quarterbacks within their high-octane offense? There's no reason to think otherwise because they've done it for a long time now, you think RG3, you think Bryce Petty. So there's no reason to think that Bryce Petty can't be replaced by Seth Russell admirably. It's going to come down to those two, and they wisely scheduled that game for the end of the season. I think that those two will decide a playoff spot and should handle the Big 12. But let's not count out. There are some blue blood teams in this conference. Oklahoma, Bob Stutes is probably one of the most underrated coaches in football. He always has them playing at a high level, always has them playing very well. Don't just assume that Oklahoma is going to lay down for these guys. And don't forget about Oklahoma State. I mean, there, there are some good teams in this conference. I don't think it's going to be easy, but these two teams were dominant last year. They're locked and loaded again. I don't see any reason why it won't be those two playing for the Big 12 title and this time a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Trevon Boykin is is the big star in the big 12, the quarterback for TCU. He had a great year last year. They're returning five offensive linemen plus Josh Doxson at, at running back for TCU. So the TCU offense is set. They did lose more guys on defense. So can they reload and get a, a playoff caliber defense? Baylor returns 10 of their 11 starters on defense. And one of my favorite guys in all of college football, Sean Oakman, six foot nine defensive end, one of the most scariest guys to watch play. Um, I'm excited about watching him play. TCU has an interesting schedule uh, at Minnesota is their first game. So that is a very dangerous opening game. Minnesota doesn't have the offense to hang with TCU, but they certainly have the defense to to cause some problems and to open the season at home. Uh, they, could, they could sneak a victory in, and that could just turn the landscape over on its head in week one, which would be crazy. I don't think it's going to happen. I think TCU is going to be clicking on all cylinders because they're returning so many people, but watch out for that trap game. Uh, in terms of Baylor, they do play at Kansas state on a Thursday night game in November 5th. That could be a trap game. Uh, you know, hit Bill Snyder and his crew, uh, love playing spoiler. They're never really the best in the big 12, but they, they love playing spoiler. And then obviously you said black Friday, November 26th, 27th, at TCU Baylor versus TCU. So that that will be the make or break game late in the season, smartly scheduled at the end. Uh, I think TCU is going to win the Big 12. Well, before we get to that, let's also not discount that TCU's two toughest Big 12 games at Oklahoma is the week before versus Baylor. So that's going to be kind of brutal for them. And I agree with you. At Minnesota could be a trap game, even though TCU handled them pretty convincingly 30-7 to at home last year. TCU, as you mentioned, returning 10 of its 11 starters on offense. There's no reason to think that they would be favored against Minnesota, even though it is on the road, especially with a month to prepare for them. 
I love the Big Ten, you know that, but that's a tough bite for uh, Minnesota to swallow beating oh, TCU sure. anywhere. But you're right, you're right to circle that as a possible trap game. I do think playing on the road in Minnesota, Minnesota does have a tough defense, could be interesting. But you're right. I mean, it's all going to come down to Black Friday. The Big 12 doesn't play an official conference championship game, but I confidently say that TCU versus Baylor on November 27th will decide decide the Big 12 and one of the four playoff spots. And like you, I'm going to pick TCU to win it. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, because of what happened last year and because of how highly these two teams are ranked, if they're sitting there, uh, definitely if they're sitting there undefeated, they're getting a college football playoff invite. Uh, 11 and one they have they'll have a really good case to get an invite to the playoff because of uh, them crying foul and complaining about what happened last year so I think it's very likely but I do not have a big 12 team going to the playoff again whoa 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 Bob you're not too familiar with this whole mercy ranking thing man this happens all <laughs> the time a team gets screwed over and then they get a very high preseason ranking deservedly or not and I do think TCU is deserving of being number two with all the talent they have coming back same with Baylor all the talent they have coming back but don't forget 2005 USC was uh jobbed a spot in the BCS title game they get a preseason number one I believe Texas got jobbed a couple years back and then they get a preseason number one go to the title game in 2009 the mercy ranking is a real thing and it's happening this year with tcu again i think they deserve it 18 returning starters or excuse me 17 returning starters 10 on offense baylor 18 returning starters they're virtually the same team so they certainly deserve it this isn't just a mercy ranking but i think if both of them are either 11 and 0 or well certainly if both are 11 and 0 going into that game an undefeated team in a power conference is always going to make the playoff because there's uh, there isn't going to be more than two undefeated teams from the power five conferences. They are too tough to go through undefeated. You're never going to have four undefeated teams from the power five conference. So if they're both undefeated, that's definitely deciding a playoff spot. If they both have one loss, the winner of that is in. So I think that if they handle their business, the winner of that game gets in. I don't think both will get in. I think the winner of that game gets in, and I think it'll be TCU. Yeah, I just I. I think it's a long season. We're going to forget about what happened last year very quickly. And by the time it comes around when uh, Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, and SEC are gearing up for their championship games against marquee opponents, it's going to bite them in the foot again. I I think, uh, you know, what, what if TCU drops a game at Kansas State in the middle of the year and, and that's their one loss? Like I, Well, first off, I don't think we're going to have more than one undefeated team from the Power Five. So it's going to be a lot of one-loss teams. We're talking about four spots here. Do you really think the ACC is going to produce a strong champion this year with Florida State down? I don't think so. The Pac-12 could beat itself up. The SEC could beat itself up. What if everyone in the SEC has two losses? I mean, yeah, they might get one, but but we're talking about four spots here. And I think that TCU-Baylor, if both of them, even if they have one loss, they'll both be ranked highly in the polls because of their preseason head start. Yes, it's not technically a conference game, but it will be a huge game over Thanksgiving, probably between two top 10 or top 5 teams. If that's the case, I just have a hard time the voters just completely forgetting about that game just because it happened a week earlier. I I think if those two are sitting pretty with one loss or undefeated, they'll be fine. I I think that's very likely. I I just in my predictions, I don't I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I'm eager to hear your predictions then, but we'll get to that in a little bit. All right. Yeah. Let's keep moving. 
going to the Big Ten, um, Chris, I think this is, for me, this was the easiest conference to predict. Uh, Ohio State is the national cha- reigning national champion, returning 15 starters, eight of those guys on offense. They have, if you look at Las Vegas odds for the Heisman, three quarterbacks are ranked to win the Heisman for Ohio State. Uh, one awesome. of those guys, obviously, Braxton Miller's moving to the H-back slot. And then Ezekiel Elliott is either the favorite to win the Heisman or he's tied with Trevon Boykin. So loads of talent, uh, not just on offense, but then you look at the defensive side. Joey Bosa is being viewed as a number one dr- overall draft pick. Darren Lee at linebacker, Von Bell at safety, returning tons of talent. And then we were just talking about right before the podcast, look at the schedule, man. At Virginia Tech, which... All right, opening week on the road against the Power Five Conference, the team and that beat them last year. Let's not forget about the suspensions. Ohio State will be down Joey Boza, Jalen Marshall, and two other key guys for that game. So yeah. a little bit different could be a possible trap, but Urban Meyer is drilling that humiliating loss in Columbus through their heads all year long. I'll bet he started drilling them the second they got off that stage after the national championship game. So I would be pretty surprised if they lost that game. No, I, I absolutely would be too. I think, but if you look at the schedule, that's probably their toughest game for the first ten. two months. Yeah, I, I, if they're not 10-0, uh, it's a colossal disappointment because there is no one. I mean, look, they get all the easy teams in the Big Ten. They don't play Nebraska. They don't play Wisconsin until a possible title game. The toughest team in the cross division they play is Minnesota. And Minnesota and Penn State are solid teams, but they get them at home. At Illinois, at Rutgers, at Indiana, those are three bad teams in the Big Ten, and they get to play them on the road. They don't play Purdue this year, and and I know people might be laughing at that, but if you're outside of the Big Ten, you don't realize that Purdue always, always, always plays Ohio State tough. You look up Ohio State history, Purdue has spoiled at least three or four seasons that I can remember in my lifetime, and Ohio State has had to pull things out of the wazoo just to beat them in two times in my lifetime, so... Ohio State and Purdue is a chippier game than people realize. That's not even on the schedule. So, yeah, I think they get by Virginia Tech. I mean, yeah, Hawaii, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, not happening. I think it's smooth sailing until Michigan State. And then at Michigan's always a tough game. It'll be on the road. And Harbaugh's certainly going to have them better than Brady Hoke did. Bar was set pretty low, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for Harbaugh to to turn the team around in one year to a point of contending against what looks like the best team in the nation heading into the season. Uh, that's, that's a tough, tough, tough thing to sell to me, but he's only uh, got to get possible. one game though. He's only got to get one game and that is a huge yeah. rivalry game. You can't understate the X factor of a rivalry game on the road. Ohio state will be in Michigan this year. I'm not just going to sleep on them. That, that could definitely be a loss. I'm not, I would pick Ohio State to win, no, don't get me wrong, but don't underestimate Michigan. Yeah, I, definitely. I mean, that's a, that's a huge rivalry, and you know, a, anything can happen. I think Michigan State, though, is, is the game on their schedule to look at, and Michigan State really in the Big Ten is the only team that can, that can compete with Ohio State, in my opinion. Uh, Connor Cook is returning. I think he's a great pocket passer, a very steady hand, a good leader, not going to uh, – you know, blow your mind out away with, with the skill or the stats, but uh, very low interception rate, only 14 interceptions the last two years, uh, over 3,500 yards the past two years. So a very good quarterback. Uh, 
and and is leading a, v- a very talented season team, especially on defense. Michigan State's known for their defense. It's not a star-studded roster, but uh, you know Shalit Calhoun is a really good defensive end. That that is probably the best player on that defense. Um, for them, though, they get to host Oregon week two, and I think that's, that's going to be a huge, fun game to watch. It was a great game last year uh, when they went into Oregon and, and almost had the lead against Oregon uh, in the third quarter. Uh, so a their lot schedule's closer a little... than the score indicated. That game was a lot closer than the final indicated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Oregon went on to score 28 consecutive points, so uh, that's pretty impressive to do it late in the game they do they go to nebraska and they have to go to ohio state as well so their schedule is looking a little bit tougher but i think they uh i think it, when ohio state and michigan state clash i think it's gonna be a battle of two undefeated teams i really do and i think that is going to decide the fate of the big 10 right there wow you think michigan state's gonna beat oregon you think that they're gonna be undefeated at that time i'm i'm impressed with you bob i did not expect you to think that Michigan State uh, does not get enough credit for for how good they are. Uh, I don't. I feel like people forgot that they played Oregon last year, and that that was one of their two losses. And like you said a, a few weeks ago, their two losses were to Oregon and to Ohio State, the national title game. So, uh, and for, they beat for, Baylor in Texas. They beat them in the Cotton Bowl. So I mean, they go on a quote unquote neutral site game and beat them, and they had a huge comeback in the fourth quarter to do it. So Michigan State has been very impressive over the last three three years or so. So, yes, I do think that that game will decide the Big Ten East, and the Big Ten East winner will win the Big Ten against who I think it'll be Wisconsin, but it could be Minnesota or Nebraska. It's going to come down to those three teams. Um, but I don't think that that team would be favored over Ohio State or Michigan State. Yeah, definitely not. I, I'm picking Wisconsin to win that division. That's definitely the weaker division of them all, uh, of the two. Uh, Corey Clement was Melvin Gordon's backup last year. He rushed for 900 yards and eight touchdowns. Wisconsin always breeds good running backs and huge offensive linemen. This year is going to be no difference. No different, excuse me. Uh, they do open week one against Alabama, so that will be a really fun game to watch uh kudos for wisconsin for scheduling lsu last year now alabama this year that, that'll be really cool uh and for fortunately for them they don't have to play michigan state ohio state or even penn state uh across their division so i think for them uh they are definitely going to the big 10 title game where they could try to play spoiler to ohio state or michigan state yeah they couldn't beat ohio state with their quote-unquote third string quarterback last year they lost like 59 to nothing so good luck with that but Hey, let's give some props to the Big Ten. And I know Virginia Tech doesn't look good right now, but when Ohio State scheduled that game six years ago, I think a lot of people were excited for it because Virginia Tech has kind of fallen on some hard times the last three years. But when you see schools like TCU, Alabama, and Oregon in non-conference schedules on four different teams, that's pretty impressive. Now, I don't know what the rest of the conference is doing off the top of my head, but at least some of their marquee teams carrying the flag for them are going out and trying to measure themselves up against some of the top competition in the nation. And I'm not saying they're going to win all four of those games. They should win two, but if they can sneak a third, if Minnesota or Wisconsin can sneak a third, that would be a huge early statement for the Big Ten right off the bat. Yeah, that's it's um it's good that they that they're doing that because uh to do that because they're doing that 
they're fighting the perception that the Big Ten is a we- overall weak conference, and so that they have these marquee games at the start, they can uh, they can fight that that perception. So I, I was good. mad that Notre Dame and Michigan canceled their annual series. I always thought that was a good regional rivalry and another just marquee game for them. So unfortunate but it sounds like you're leaning towards ohio state or michigan state did you pick between them i know you got wisconsin on the other half so do i who do you have winning that game i i can't pick against ohio state uh as much as i think michigan state is good ohio state's just better uh they have the benefit of playing michigan state at home so i'm going ohio state they're going to be undefeated come time for the college football playoff I kind of agree with you. I think Ohio State will be 13-0. They'll be one of the teams undefeated, and they'll be locked and loaded, ready for the college football playoff where anything can happen. But let's not, you know, we, we might come back to Michigan State later, but why don't we head out west before we do that? All right, sounds good. So we're going to the Pac-12. Uh, they have six teams ranked in the top 25 preseason poll, and uh, they a lot of a lot of people are saying that they're challenging the sec for the deepest conference and you know, their, their conference does look really good. Uh, I, th- I singled out two teams for me. Uh, Oregon is one, uh, the defending PAC 12 champions. They reached all the way to national playoff game or national championship game. And then USC, which, uh, has resurged out of nowhere. They finished last year really strong. Uh, they're returning a talent talent. Uh, those are my two teams to watch. And, uh, the rest are really good and certainly if things fall their way they'll have a chance to win the Pac-12 but I think USC and Oregon are my two teams in the Pac-12. Yeah Stanford is another one that's good but they're always in Oregon's shadow. It always seems to be Stanford Oregon with Oregon coming out on top so until Stanford can show me something I'm going to stick with Oregon but I'm actually going to disagree with you about USC and I'm not saying they didn't finish the year strong because you know, USC has been kind of dysfunctional the last couple of years. I know the sanctions are a big part of that, but I'm not sold on them. And I don't understand why more people aren't sold on Arizona. Nine defensive starters, eight offensive starters, a new Solomon, very strong freshman who with a 58% completion, 28 touchdowns to nine interceptions, and 3,793 yards last year. And let's not forget that Oregon's one loss was to Arizona in Eugene, 31-24. Wildcats are bringing all that talent back, and people are picking them fourth, fifth in their division. I'm sorry. I think the Arizona Wildcats are going to continue to have success in the Pac-12. I certainly think they will, and uh, I, I was hoping you were about to mention him, but Scooby Wright, the third, is is probably the most likely defensive player to win the Heisman this year he was fourth in the nation in sacks last year 14 and he had 160 tackles as a middle linebacker for Arizona Arizona is definitely talented and they're well coached I, I I agree with you I think they don't get enough love uh, I just I think USC has more top level talent they're returning all five of their offensive linemen nine of their 10 defensive stars are coming back and Cody Kessler is for a USC quarterback seems to be underrated last year he completed 69.7 percent of his passes 3,800 yards 39 touchdowns to five interceptions in 2014 um he he's really good and I think USC is really good um I hear I hear what you're saying with Arizona but 
uh, I'm still sticking with USC. That being said, they all have to play each other. And this could be a, a scenario what we saw last year with the SEC where they're all beating each other up. Uh, USC has to play this four-week stretch uh, hosting Stanford at Arizona State, hosting Washington, and then they go to Notre Dame. So that's really rough. And then they finish the season at Oregon and then hosting UCLA. So um, they definitely have their plate full in terms of marquee talent. They have the out-of-conference game against Notre Dame. So uh, I, I I think the Pac-12 is wide open for sure, especially for a team like Arizona. But I'm, I'm sticking with USC and Oregon. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone's going to come out of this conference undefeated. And I think if they lose too many non-conference games, this is a team that could get shut out of the college football playoffs. If Oregon doesn't beat Michigan State, I don't think they're going to make it because I don't think they're going to go through the Pac-12 unscathed. So I certainly think the Pac-12 is starting to rival the SEC as far as depth goes. There are a lot of good teams. You mentioned six of them are ranked. So certainly going to be a fun conference to watch, but I just wonder if it's just going to be too much of a good thing. And if they drop a couple high-profile non-conference games – they might find themselves outside looking in. Yeah, I I would be more sold on Oregon if Vernon Adams was already entrenched as the starting quarterback for them, but they're in the middle of a of a late quarterback battle with him and Jeff Lockie. Uh, Vernon Adams had to enroll late with Oregon, so that's not a good way to start it, especially when you have to play at Michigan State week two to have questions at your quarterback position. Um, we, I failed to mention Royce Freeman as well, the, the running back for Oregon. 1,300 yards rushing last year and 18 touchdowns in the Pac-12 as a freshman. So look out for him as well. All right, who you got in the title game? I have uh, USC versus Oregon, and uh, I think USC is going to win the Pac-12. I'm going to stick with the Ducks until proven otherwise. They've been too dominant for too long. They've reloaded too many times for me to just discount them. Uh, so I think that they'll reload and be there. But I got them beating Arizona in the Pac-12 title game. and Kind of a rematch, I know, but I think that Arizona is going to be better than people think. Yep. Uh, uh, very possible, and I, I totally see it happening. All righty, yo. You've been waiting for this one. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've been waiting for it. This is actually, I think, the hardest one to to make any kind of sense with. And my main problem is I don't know who the starting quarterback is on – just about 10 of the 14 SEC teams. I mean, Alabama, I would – I'm sorry, we're going to the SEC, by the way, everybody. We're, <laughs> I just jumped right in. I'm sorry about that. See, he's uh, so yeah, excited. So, I told you guys he was excited. <laughs> All right, so we're going to the SEC. Um, Alabama has to be the first team you look at just because of their the dominance that they've had the past few years. They were the representative of the SEC in the college football playoff. They are replacing TJ Yeldon – Amari Cooper and Blake Sims. So who's going to carry that offense? Derrick Henry's back, so that'll be good. Cam Robinson at left tackle is an absolute monster. He started all games in the SEC as a true freshman. So look for that O-line to be uh, just as good. Alabama, I think, is second only to Wisconsin in, in producing mammoth offensive linemen. The big question, though, is quarterback. They, they have like a five-quarterback competition right now. Uh, Alec Morris and Jake Coker are the leaders. There's this former wide receiver, Cooper Bateman, that's also in the mix. Um, you know, they they struck gold last year in their quarterback competition, ending up with Blake Sims, who just got better and better. And, you know, his combination of speed and deep passing to Amari Cooper turned out to be 
to to be a godsend for them um so yeah there are a lot of questions with, with alabama uh other teams to watch for me auburn ole miss georgia and tennessee but i'll I'll let you talk for a little bit before I talk about any of them. Well, this is a year Alabama's going to take a step back. It's this one. They only return two offensive starters, not just the quarterback. I mean, they have a lot of turn there. So if this is going to be the year they take a step back, this would be it. But, I mean, Nick Saban has been so consistent for so long in cranking out and reloading that it's really hard for me right now to pick against them. I, I'm sorry. I understand that some of the other teams have guys coming back. I know Auburn's going to be tough. Certainly wouldn't surprise me, but it's hard for me to go against the Crimson Tide. And I'm irked that you didn't mention Missouri. Missouri has won the East, the JV division, two years in a row. And if you look at the schedule, their crossover games are Mississippi State and Arkansas. They do not have to play any of the big boys in that SEC West. So I could easily see Missouri getting back to that SEC championship game. Matty Mock of Kenton, Ohio, baby. That's one quarterback that's not a controversy. Yeah, it's. I mean, definitely. Absolutely, Missouri can can sneak in there just like a lot of teams in the SEC can can sneak in into the sec championship game uh georgia just decimated maddie mock in missouri last year and that's just kind of why i've dismissed them because they have to go to georgia to play that game uh but yeah i i agree with you alabama the the thing i that that has me skeptical they open the season against wisconsin which will be a tough opponent i think they'll handle that one okay but then they, their two biggest games after that, they have to play on the road at Georgia and they have to play on the road in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. Those are two big road games. Can they handle that? They also play Ole Miss in week three. Uh, Ole Miss was the team that beat them last year. Uh, Saban is 9-1 and one when hosting revenge games. So statistically, he's favored to beat them, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm not so sure on Alabama in the West. I'm not 100% positive about it either. I mean, if we're going to... Like I said, if this is, if Alabama is going to take a step back, this is the year. They have a lot of turn, and they play in a brutal division. I certainly could see them going 9-3 and three and it being a disappointment for a lot of fans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so... That's that's what that was my first thought. Like that Alabama, they looks like they're gonna have a down year. So I turned to Auburn. Like, what are they going to do? They're returning only four offensive starters. They they lost their quarterback. They lost their running back. They already had a shaky offensive line. Uh, Jeremy Johnson is their guy at quarterback. Who people at Auburn think he's the second coming of Cam Newton, just in his size and skill set. Um, that's a lot of pressure for a young guy like that, and that's a very complicated offense to learn on the fly so who knows what's going to happen with that and Auburn for the past two years has had a bad defense they were ninth in total yards per game in the SEC last year they hired Will Muschamp who for all his shortcomings as the head coach in Florida I think we can all agree that he was still able to hold on to his skills as a defensive mind so people are really hopeful in that but can he really turn around a bad defense in just a year to get them back to a to a, a playoff national title type uh team i'm not so sure so i'm i'm not sold on auburn either even though they do get to host georgia alabama Ole miss and mississippi state 
Yeah, I mean, we could talk about these teams forever. There are a lot of good ones in the SEC. The reason I'm sold on Alabama is because I look at their division. That, that Everyone else in the division has a lot of turn, too. And so I'm just going to trust that Nick Saban has some good recruits coming up. And if I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Alabama over Missouri in the SEC championship game once again. All right, well, <laughs> this is what I got. Um, I think Ole Miss is going to win the West, and they're going to play Georgia. Wow, I knew you'd pick Georgia, but wow, man, that's a pretty bold prediction. I'm not going to lie. That's probably the boldest prediction we've had on this podcast. Yeah, I just, um, in terms, Alabama and Auburn have really tough cross-divisional games. Auburn has that built-in rivalry with Georgia. Alabama has to play Georgia. Alabama is also playing Wisconsin, like I said. Ole Miss, they're two out-of-division games to the SEC East. Vanderbilt and Florida so I think they have in terms of SEC scheduling probably the easiest path to win the West and while Alabama and Auburn are busy beating each other up they can uh they can waltz right in and that's not to say this isn't a bad team they're returning 10 offensive starters the only guy gone is Bo Wallace well they will have to beat Alabama and Auburn too if they're going to win that division so yeah no absolutely they they still have to get through the division but uh they they sh- they proved that they could do that last year. They beat Alabama. Uh, they're only getting better just in terms of their talent and uh, who they started last year. Most of those guys are back. Uh, Chad Kelly is going to take over at quarterback. He's getting good hype. And then you got Robert Andici, uh on the defensive line, who is an absolute terror. Uh, they return a lot of stars on defense. Um, I I think Ole Miss is a dark horse. I'm not I. I agree with you. I think Alabama, if you look at it, they should be considered the favorite in the SEC West, but I am picking Ole Miss. Hey, man, props to you, man, for going out on a limb and picking against the establishment. It it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm just going to trust in Nick Saban. So we've gone through the big boys. We've got our champions out there. Who do you think is going to win the Heisman now? Who are your five Heisman finalists? And then we'll see how many I disagree with. (laughs) All right, so my Heisman candidates, uh, and I'll do this in order from one to five. Starting off, Trevon Boykin, quarterback from TCU, 3,900 yards passing, 33 touchdowns last year, 700 yards rushing, eight rushing touchdowns. Is on the number two team, is the singular talent on that team. I think he has to be considered the favorite. Number two, I got Cody Kessler, the quarterback from USC. I mentioned his stats before, almost 70% completion percentage last year on a, a really stacked team. Uh, if USC has a successful year, he's going to get a lot of credit for it. Number three, I got Deshaun Watson just because of the talent that he has and the fact that I picked Clemson to win the ACC and go to the college football playoffs. So uh, he's going to get a lot of credit and just going to have a ton of stats if that comes true. Number four, I'm not sure if this is going to floor you or not, but I got Connor Cook from Michigan State just because wow. – the. Well, I mean, consider the fact, like I said, I think he, they're going to be 10-0 and when they play Ohio State. If they win that game how and they end up undefeated going to the college football playoff, uh, how are you not going to credit Connor Cook for that success? So statistically, I don't think he's going to even come close to some of these guys, but Michigan State, I think they're poised to have a really big year, and Cook is going to be the reason for that. Uh, and then number five, this is uh, 
you're totally going to say this is cheating, but I have a three-way tie between Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, and Leonard Fournette. Just That's based cheating. On the, <laughs> That's well, cheating. It, you can just insert any running back in, at, in that slot. Uh, 13 of the last 15 Heisman winners are quarterbacks, so how can any running back be the favorite? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, like we said, has three teammates that are also favorited to win the Heisman, so... Uh, for as good as he is and for as good as Ohio State is, is he really going to get the numbers, the playing time, and the credit for winning for winning all those games and eventually winning the Heisman? Nick Chubb, there's a good article on Grantland for how UGA doesn't let their running backs carry a large majority of the load and they like to share the ball. So uh, I'm not so sold on him, even though I think he's going to have a big statistical year. And Pick one. Leonard, this is a top five, man. Come on. Oh, Stop well, cheating. that's my tie, all right? And then Leonard Stop Fournette, cheating. he's regarded as one of the most talented running backs, but he plays for LSU, whose offense sucks, so I don't think he's going to have good numbers. And LSU, I'm not sold on this year. So, And you could you insert any running back, you know? I, I just I, – I, I think they deserve credit, but they can't be considered a favorite. All right, so here's my seven minus two, a true five. I have three of your five because I'm going to count Ezekiel Elliott. But I got Cody Kessler fifth. Number four, I got Dak Prescott of Mississippi State. I like him. Quarterback has that going in his favor. I think he'll pick up big numbers, and if Mississippi State has success, he'll be a big reason why. Joey Bosa, I think, could have a monster year for Ohio State. Defensive end, defensive tackle. He's talked about being the number one overall draft pick. When you have that kind of hype, a lot of eyes are going to be on you. And, of course, he should be playing for a team that goes number one wire to wire. If that happens, I think he'll get a lot of credit for it. Ezekiel Elliott is my number two. I think he will put up monster numbers because I think that they will lean on him to take the pressure off of the quarterbacks. When T.J. Barrett went down, or J.T. Barrett, excuse me, went down, um, they ran Elliott hardcore in those three big games i think he had more than 200 yards in each of those three playoff games so ezekiel elliott i think is going to be the big motor that drives that offense and i think he will put up bigger numbers than those other two running backs you mentioned and number one it's got to be trevon boykin he's the the main force on a team that's rated number two in the nation he's a quarterback he's got all the advantages in the world he he should certainly be considered the favorite but those are my five i disagree with two of yours but certainly it's hard to predict the Heisman preseason because there's so much that can happen. All right, Bob. Well, can, of, all right. Can what? I my, – my dark – I have a dark horse that I really wanted to talk about. Can I mention him? That's fine. Go ahead. All right. Adore Jackson from USC is a cornerback a sophomore. He had nine pass breakups, 45 tackles, and a forced fumble. He also had three reception touchdowns and two kickoff touchdowns last year. In the CBS preseason All-America poll, he was named a first-team all-around player, second-team cornerback, and also received votes at safety and kick returner. So if there's ever a year for a defensive player like Charles Woodson in 1997 to win the Heisman, I think Adore Jackson fits that bill perfectly. And if he has a bigger role in offense and returning, he certainly could if USC is in the title contention. I've learned a very valuable lesson today, Bob. What's up? Next time, I'm only going to ask you to pick three, so that way we'll get five. Yeah, I got, I got, I could keep, I could keep going there, guys. I didn't talk about. But. I know, but it's all good, man. I'm just giving you a hard time. But seriously, now it's the moment of truth. Playoff picks. 
Who are your four and who comes out on top? I have Ohio State, USC, uh, Georgia, and Clemson. Georgia. And I, You're a what? homer. Georgia. I, I was back and forth on it. Really, I didn't want to pick them, but... Well, see, someone didn't read their own blog post because someone had a brilliant blog post on FamilyRoadSports.com that says high preseason rankings usually translate into success. And a lot of those guys, while they have high preseason rankings and certainly respectable picks, I'm going to go with something a little more traditional. I got Ohio State versus Alabama in the Orange Bowl. And then I got TCU hosting or versing in the Cotton Bowl. Michigan State, that's right, 11 and one. I think they're going to. <laughs> I think their only loss will be to Ohio State. They'll beat Oregon. They'll shut the Pac-12 out because if Oregon wins the Pac-12 and Michigan State beats Oregon, how can you say the Pac-12 champion is better than Michigan State? I think the Big 12 will send someone. I think the ACC is is a little bit weak. I don't necessarily think that they're going to produce a champion. And I think Alabama's tried and true. So, booyah. That's what I got. Ohio State, Alabama, TCU, Michigan State, and the title game, all Big Ten, baby. Ohio State over Michigan State. <laughs> well, are you, <laughs> there's no way the Big Ten is going to send two teams. They've got the number one and number five team in the nation. And then the number Big 12 two and four the number play two each other. And the number four team. And, then, and the number two and number four are going to play each other. So one of them's going to lose. Michigan State's going to beat Oregon, who's number seven. Those other two number teams. Number one don't... and number five are going to play each other. Right, but Michigan State will beat number seven before that, and they'll have a better win than those two teams. Uh, I don't. How are you going to call me a homer when you have Ohio State and Michigan State? First off, first off, I am not a homer for Michigan State. You're a homer for for the Ohio State and by proxy the Big Ten. Okay. Well, who do you got in the title game? You got your four. Who do you got in the title game? Uh, I didn't pick who they were going to – Ohio State's going to beat um, on the fly. Ohio State's going to beat USC. Okay. So we both have Ohio State winning. Yeah, I mean, how could you not? Okay. Hey, man, you just talked up Michigan State. You said they were going to have a breakout season. Well, to me, a breakout season is getting to the playoffs. They've done everything else. They've been to the BCS too many times. A breakout season for them would be getting to the playoffs. I think they can do it. If they beat Oregon and Oregon wins the Pac-12, like I think they will, how can you say Oregon's better than Michigan State? USC would be eliminated in that scenario because they wouldn't have won the Pac-12. Well, how could you say Michigan State's better than Clemson, who beats Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Notre Dame? Well, that's a hypothetical situation. I think they're going to lose more games in hindsight. They're going to lose? Yeah. So how many games do you think they're going to win the ACC but win more than or lose more than two games? They could lose to Notre Dame and Georgia Tech and then get to the ACC title game and beat Georgia Tech. Okay. I mean, yeah, you're right. That that does work. See? I don't know, man. I don't, I've done I don't the know, math. man. I've done the math. I think Michigan State could do it. I think that they've got a tough enough schedule. They're, if their only loss comes to the number one team in the nation, they beat a Pac-12 champion. It's going to be very hard to deny them, in my opinion, because I see a lot of cannibalism on the other teams. And, but the the title game plays so much into it the the but, conference but, championship. But you game. see, here's the thing: it, it played into it last year. 
it's only been one year. That, I mean, last year we didn't have a scenario where a team like Michigan State beat a conference champion. None of those teams lost to another number two team in the conference. We didn't have that. We've never seen how the committee rates that. If Michigan State and Oregon are both sitting there with one loss and Michigan State beat Oregon, that has to trump everything. In my opinion, I mean, I, I don't, we haven't seen what they would do in a scenario like that yet. Yes, everyone said the conference championship games mattered, and they certainly did because they were more high profile than what the Big 12 was playing that week. But it's only been one year. I mean, they, they haven't set a precedent yet. They, they, this is an ongoing process of them evaluating teams for the college football playoffs. So we have no idea what the committee's going to do in the scenario I'm proposing. And I would hope that head-to-head wins out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you're in your scenario that that might play out, I, I'm seeing things a lot differently, I guess. Hey, well, first off, we're trying to pick the college football playoff in the preseason. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. But if you look at it, and I agree with your blog, I think that, I honestly think that f- of the top seven teams, four of them will be in the playoff. I don't think anyone rated outside the top seven. Okay, maybe USC is going to make it. And actually, I would shrink that down to six or five because the advantage is they can absorb an early loss and be fine. I don't think all these teams are going undefeated. Only one or two at the most are going undefeated in the Power Five, which means that if you have an early head start like Ohio State, TCU, Alabama, Baylor, and Michigan State all do, Michigan State knocking on the door of the playoff, I think they're fine if they beat Oregon and lose to Ohio State and win every other game. Because I think that there will be a lot of cannibalism amongst every other team. I'd... I'd... Yeah. Hey, man, we'll see. Time will tell. But we loaded up this podcast with college football, so we only have time for some quick hits. Is there anything else you want to say on college football before we... Get to some quick fires because we got some we got some good things to talk about. Uh, I mean, I could keep talking about Heisman candidates <laughs> or uh, non-power five teams or uh, oh, I dude. didn't even get to talk about the no, SEC no, we didn't East, get, really. Yeah, yeah, we didn't even get to talk about the non-power five teams. I mean, it's pretty much Boise State and everyone else, I would think. Western Michigan's looking good this year. <laughs> yeah, until they play Ohio State, but um, shockingly enough. There just weren't enough injuries in the NFL preseason. Because since we last talked, fantasy football teams everywhere are just pulling their heads and hairs out before their draft. Because Kelvin Benjamin tore his ACL and Jordy Nelson tore his ACL. Bob, what is going on in the NFL preseason? Arian Foster, Kelvin Benjamin, Jordy Nelson, two of the top 10 rookie draft picks. What is going on? Yeah, I, it's uh, another year where people don't like the preseason, another reason to hate on it. Um, it's also a caveat for anybody drafting fantasy football in early August. Like, Don't do that. Wait until these injuries happen because they do happen often. Um, it's really sad for the Packers because they were a really good, uh, safe Super Bowl pick to win the NFC, and I still think it's possible, but... It'll be a lot harder without a guy like Jordy Nelson. And then look at Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, 
Cam Newton's safety net for sure. And if you look at the wide receivers that are now trying to fill that role, it's not inspiring for the Panthers. So yeah, those are two huge blows. Um, it's just, it's football though. I mean, like you asked me what's happening. It's just them playing football. It's unfortunate that happened in the preseason. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's another reason not to like the preseason. Yeah, if we remember our post-Super Bowl podcast, we did a super way too early pick for the Super Bowl, and mine was the Packers. This definitely dampens their chances. I think they'll be okay, but certainly you can't. If Seattle's the team you're chasing, you don't want to lose a guy like Jordy Nelson. So obviously a very unfortunate situation for them, but I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be fine um, as far as the regular season and even getting in the playoffs and doing well in the playoffs is concerned. It's just a matter of getting that Super Bowl and whether or not they'll have to go through to Seattle. And, you know, Jordy Nelson can certainly cost you one or two games not having him, and that could be the difference between playing in Green Bay and playing in Seattle. So huge loss for the Packers and uh, kind of a shame because I really thought that they this might be their year to uh, add to their collection of Super Bowls. But got some other quick hits too. Uh, Northwestern, back to college football. The National Labor Relations Board ruled against them forming a union uh, because it would not promote labor stability. Um, it could only happen if all the players in the conference unionize, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, the union has been crushed before it even got off the ground. Bob, does this ruling surprise you? It doesn't surprise me that uh, one school's attempt to unionize was crushed. Um, I think it was a interesting first step, and it was even more interesting that Northwestern football was the team to take that first step. Uh, I think there are going to be more battles down the road. Uh, it's not exactly a loss. It's a loss for them for sure, but it, it's interesting. It doesn't surprise me though, that it was knocked down. No, certainly not surprising to me at all. Um, be interesting to see where things go from here in the world of college players trying to get some more rights. If you want some more thoughts on that last week's podcast, we talked a lot about the state of the NCAA, so you should definitely check that out. We had some pretty interesting discussions there. I thought I thought it was a very good podcast. And then some non-football-related news. Chase Utley got traded to the Dodgers. Kind of a little surprise, a waiver trade. I didn't think he'd get traded after the deadline. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised too. Uh, it's not that big of a factor because Chase Utley is having a really bad year, but leadership uh added depth up the middle he's playing with jimmy rollins now in la which is coincidental and, and funny i guess but um yeah it's strange uh he there was a 10 years ago chase utley was probably the best hitter in baseball not named albert pujols and uh it's kind of a shame that he's struggling so much but he's had a really good career and all with the phillies uh they have to be proud of him yeah, yeah, and now we're going to get a little more obscure note, but Kat Osterman, if you don't know who she is, she is one of the best softball pitchers of all time. I remember when she played for the University of Texas way back when, because I like watching the College Softball World Series. She unfortunately lost to Monica Abbott and the Chicago Bandits in the NFP final. Why is this news? Well, Kat Osterman is retiring from pro softball, and she is one of the more one of the most dominant pitchers of all time, but she has not had exactly the best luck in the final game. In her final game at Texas, and in her final game, the gold medal game in the Olympics against Japan, and then in her final game of the NPF, between all of them, 
all three of those big games, the World Series title, the gold medal, and NPF, one run of support in those three finals combined. So pretty epic how one of the best pitchers of all time couldn't get just a little more help to try and win a championship, but certainly one of the best softball pitchers of all time. And we'll be sad to see you go, even though a lot of you may not may or may not watch softball. Still kind of cool. Yeah, I don't watch a whole lot of it, but uh, I know you do. So uh, it's fun times, man. Good, oh. good story. All right, man. Well, we packed in a ton in this podcast. It's a little bit long, but hey, we had a lot of football to talk about, and it's only going to get better because now that our college stuff is out of the way, the NFL is right around the corner. We're going to have some souped-up podcasts for you previewing the NFL season, and we'll be talking about the Cleveland Browns as well. Another Cleet Talks right around the corner. So for all you Cleveland fans out there, hold on tight. we got a lot to say about the SS McCown and where it'll take the Cleveland Browns this year. <laughs> but until that time, we have to bid you guys goodbye. Please follow us on Twitter, Fenley RD Sports, Instagram, Fenley ROAD Sports, and please come back to FenleyRoadSports.com. Subscribe to our podcast via Twitter and support us in any way you can. We certainly appreciate your listenership, and we will be back again next week with more football. All right, I'll talk to you soon, Chris. All right, man. Take it easy, Bob.